Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Very quickly, I want to just this morning, just I really, we, we are finishing the last two weeks. Next week we finish our God is series, bring it into uh, conclusion. But this morning, if you're looking, wondering what are we talking about, it's God is calling. And actually this is his nature, he's a calling God who calls and demands a response from his people. And I want to call us to too, and, uh, and some of these stories might seem like way out there for you, like going, whoa, Georgia, Turkey, you know, America, Mozambique, whoa, what, what, what's this got to do with me here in Milneton, in Cape Town? Well, I, I want to say that there was a man in Pretoria, a man in Joburg, leads a church there now, called Ross Lester, but for many years he was a, he was a teacher at a really, really tough all-boys school. And he used to wait there, and he, was, and he was just, he said he felt Monday blues, he didn't enjoy it, he stood there, the boys filed in, he tried to keep their attention, he struggled, they filed out, and he was like, just can't wait for the weekend. And in the church service, he, he went to a, a preacher and said, listen, and the guy said, hey, you know, God's called you. He says, yeah, I know, I'm called to, to be a preacher and a teacher of God's word, you know. And the guy said, that's excellent, what are you doing right now? Oh, I'm just a teacher. It's like going, well, actually, you know, you, you, you're in a perfect space. He says, how are you doing at commanding the people's attention in your class? Yeah, not, not very well. He was like going, well, you want God to give you that, but you're not being faithful with the prime tool that God has given you to communicate to these boys. He says when, God, when it clicked in his head that sometimes we're living for that day, but not understanding whether they're being fruitful and being faithful here, he said at that moment, something clicked. He started to actually activate himself in that atmosphere and that environment that he was placed. He said today at Bryanson Bible Church, the church that he does lead many years later, is filled with those, that high school, those boys from his high school. They've been baptized, they've been and amazing. And I go, thank you, God. And I'm saying, would you awaken us as a people to know that we are called not one day, that the word, I don't know if you've heard as pastors, they, they use it. When did you feel called? I'm like, the day I got saved. <laughs> when did you get called? You know, God calls us as granted to himself, but to his mission. There's not this, this clergy and this uh, laity, this, like, you know, those who work in the church and those who don't know, we're all called called to be his missionary, his disciples. I love the fact that Kristen does not work in the church and yet she is pioneering. I love that Claudia does not work in the church and she's pioneering. I love the fact that Grant does work in the church and he's pioneering because that means there's hope for me as well. But it's exciting that this is who, and I believe God is wanting to release us. This is a season for us in Milton. God is arresting us that we are not doing church. We're wanting to do the kingdom of God into Milton, into Cape Town, releasing that we've got every week we have between 60 and 100 pastors we get to release every week. Do you know that? That I, I'm not the only pastor here. All of us are. We get to go pastor our city. And that's the privilege we get to do together. Let's get a scripture. Two calls of God that we find in the Bible that I want to pick up on this morning. The first one comes very, very early in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 1 and 2, if you're unfamiliar, starts with the creation story. Genesis 1, the macro account of God creating the heavens and the earth and everything in between, the small and the large Genesis 2 is when he creates man and, and it, goes, it goes the micro story of, of man and Adam and Eve being formed out of the dust of the earth and placed in the garden. Genesis 3 is when sin enters the world and, and, and Adam and Eve, they settle. They, 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 they go back on this thing. They get suckered and seduced away from the big adventure, the wild call of God, the lavish, passionate, all-satisfying relationship with their creator. They get suckered and seduced by the safe, by the tangible, by the immediate by what will satisfy now the short-term pleasure of sin. 
They give up this massive wild call that God gave them. In Genesis 1 and 2, God said to them, I'm giving you the planet. It's yours. And in a few short moments, they settle for something short-term, something easy they'll satisfy now. And, uh, and that's what happens. We see that at that moment, they, they, they realize they're naked. They, they feel shame for the first time. Shame enters the story, and they do two things. They hide, and they blame. Now, I, I love the Bible because the Bible for me doesn't allow me to read it passively from a distance. From the very get-go, I read it. In chapter 3, comes up and I go, Ah, stupid Adam, how do you do it? What a stupid trade, a fruit for the planet. But I see myself in it. Can I tell you, I see myself all over the pages of Scripture. And can I tell you, it's all the loser characters that I find myself with. Can I tell you, Homer Simpson, we've learned recently, Homer Simpson has great theology. Did you know that? There was an episode where Homer Simpson flicked through the Bible and says, I've read this thing and they're all losers except for that one guy. And I'm like, great theology! <laughs> the Bible is not about the blessed good, it's about the blessed bad who get in by default because of Jesus Christ. There's only one here in the Bible and it's him, not us. But we find in the story from in chapter, th- page, chapter 3, page 2 in my Bible, there I am, I am Adam and Eve. I am the guy who's hiding and blaming. You know the story? They hide and maybe you, you say, I know this because it's me. I'm all about excuses. I'm all about ducking and diving. I'm all about trying to get out of what is really a bit tough but good for my good. I'll settle for what's easy for myself way too often. Hiding, maybe you say, what do you mean hiding, Gabe? How do I hide? I want to tell you how I hide. I, I, and this is a confession time, if that's okay, that I do community. So what I mean by community, I live in community, we have people in our home, we have friends. But can I tell you, there's a difference of being present and doing community and honestly doing community. Let me explain what I mean by that. Duran got it. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. But community in the Bible says it's not about just being present in your body. I'm there, I'm an attendee. I'm here. What more do you want from me? I'm here. No, no, doing community means actually being vulnerable with people. It means actually confessing sin one to another. When else did we do that? Hey, or is it just a Catholic thing? Confession, that's what they do, you know? No, 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 it's a Bible thing. <laughs> Confession is a Bible thing. And, it says, and it's, it's, a, it's this incredible gift God gives us. But it's, it's amazing that I realize that actually I, I live way too often like those kids. I don't know if you know those stories. Parents will understand and one day I'll get it too. Beautiful. But uh, when mom and dad come and say, tidy your room, and the, you know the kids, and then it's maybe a bit caricatured in my head, but the kid is stuffing everything in the cupboard and then leading on this cupboard that's like creaking and about to collapse and goes, it's all clean, everything's fine. And you know, at any second, that whole thing's going to burst open and come tumbling down. I live like that a lot, if I'm honest. I live like that, keeping up with appearances, but actually, if things just change, if the wind changes a little bit, everything's going to come pouring out and people are going to go, what? How, how did you, I didn't know you had that whole mess because I hide my mess. Because I'm insecure. Just being honest. I'm just like Adam. But then we find this thing, the blaming. They also blame. I don't know if you've said these things. It's not my fault. Everyone does it. Society pressures me into it. Maybe you said this. If only I had a better job, I wouldn't be so lazy. <laughs> if only it was more meaningful. You know? Maybe you said, if I only had a kinder spouse, I wouldn't be so lustful. Anyone say that? No? Went a bit quiet there. Sorry. If I had better behaved kids, I wouldn't get so angry. If I lived in a different country, I wouldn't be so depressed. Blame game. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Welcome to our world. 
Welcome to the world of everyone in the Bible. There's this hide and blame. It's in our nature. Adam and Eve sinned, and they realized, whoa, this is, we've stepped away from God's design. So they hid, and they blamed. It was her. She made me do it. No, no, he did. No. I don't know. Not my fault, though. And this is where we find the first call of God that comes. The first call out of God's mouth to humanity. A humanity is hiding and blaming is this. God steps up and he says, where are you, Adam? The first call of God comes very, very early in the piece. And it's a call that goes all the way and ripple has a ripple effect all the way through the Old Testament. Every prophet carries on that call. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Israel? Where are you, nations? Where are you in the sight of God? And it's a call that echoes all the way through and it finds its way right into this pulpit this morning and hopefully into your heart. Let me ask you this. A, was God asking this question because he, he didn't know where they were? Was it like, where are you, Adam? Can't see you. Yeah, I saw you, now you're hiding. I can't find you. Uh, maybe God was saying, let me just, the Holy Spirit says, God, just retrace your steps. Where did you last see Adam? And like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was like, he said, you know, if you were Adam, Jesus said, God, if you were Adam, where would you be? No, 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 no. Maybe they had these conversations where they said, the Holy Spirit just came out to God and said, God, I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times, always put your Adam with your keys and wallet at the front door. No. Can I tell you, God is not, he hasn't lost him as a, a coin. I don't know where they are. No, no, no. This is God. He is omniscient. That means we've learned that, that he is all-knowing. All he knows each star by name. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows when I rise and when I go to bed. He knows the thoughts in my brain, and he even knows the motives of my heart. When I do something good, God, also, God even knows, yeah, that was actually not just for your own glory. Ah, failed again. Can I tell you, he's not only omniscient, all-knowing, he's also omnipresent. He's everywhere, all the time. These scriptures bring me great comfort and haunt me as well when he says, he never leaves me nor forsakes me. That's a great comfort when, things are, when tough times come. But can I tell you, it's also haunting when you know that means when you're sinning, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's there. He's, ne- he's always there. He's not affected by time zones. Thank goodness, because I still don't understand it. So, A, it wasn't because God didn't know where they were. He asked us also, B, not because he wanted to expose them. This also wasn't God saying at the tone of it, where are you, Adam? The tone wasn't God saying as an angry parent or an angry teacher saying, where are you? You're on the phone. You've got those phone calls before from mom and dad. Where are you, Adam? I've had a few of those in my lifetime from mom and dad when I lived at home. And again, it's not like at our high school. We had a deputy headmaster who used to get up and he seemed like he had sadistic pleasure. He knew who it was. He had the student number, <laughs> all boys school, so we delighted in these moments, where he would come and read the student number out and say, I'm not going to read the name. He has to own up himself. I'm giving him a chance to own up. But he said, I'm going to read the name and then I'm also going to read his internet browsing history that we found out. <laughs> and then the deputy headmaster would read the most sordid internet story. And we're like, stupid at an all boys school. Just an aside, don't do that. But anyway... But it was like this moment where he, he was like parading the, the weaknesses of this guy and saying, where is this guy? Let him come see me soon. And everyone knew. Who's moving? Who's going? Who's it? Who is it? And, and I want to tell you, no, that's not how God was doing. God wasn't trying to ask this question to expose them. Where are you, Adam? Get here now. It wasn't that tone either. Can I tell you, God asked it to show his nature as a pursuing God. Let me tell you, we rebel. The story of the Bible and the story of your and my life is that we rebel, he pursues. We rebel, he pursues. 
He never stops. God is relentless in his pursuit of you and I. He asks, where are you, Adam, in order to restore him back to the God design and call on their life. This call was a call to repentance. Where are you, Adam, was a call to repentance. And I know as I said that word this morning, a number of you have gone, oh, repentance. I don't like that one. It's not a good one. Can I tell you? Let me explain what repentance means. Repentance, the Greek word is metanoia, which is literally translated to change your mind, to change your thinking. But if we look at it again, it's not only just a change of mind. Repentance also talks about a change of direction. You're going this way. A call to repentance is to stop and turn the other way. If you're walking off a cliff and someone says, Stop! Turn back. It's for your good. Can I tell you, we've been taught that to return, repent and return is to once again turn back to God. It's an 180 degree turn. That's what repentance is. Repentance isn't just saying sorry. Repentance isn't just, uh, oh, I need to feel bad about myself and, and, and mourn. And, oh. No, repentance is an action. It's a change of thinking and changing your direction. Rory Dyer taught us that repentance, and Rory Dyer is a, a deep, deep scholar of the word, so this is how he described it to us. He said, to repent is to return from the gutter back to the penthouse. Repent. See, it's really deep that, eh? Helpful for me to remember. But for guys like me, that's gold. Because actually, we've always been told repentance means go lower. You go lower and you need to say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and grovel. When actually the biblical word repentance is it's a call for God to leave the gutter, come back to the original design. Come back to the penthouse. Come back to the place where you understand who you are. Where are you, Adam? Is a call to come back. Can I tell you? It's out of hiding, out of blame, back into the fullness of what he has designed us for. Repentance isn't snakes and ladders. You know that game, childhood game? You know you play that and you hit a land on a snake oh, all the way back to the beginning. I think a lot of us, and I lived like this for years, approach Christianity just like that. We, we're doing well, I'm doing well, I'm doing, oh, I stuffed up, I stuffed up. Oh, right at the back. Repentance means starting at the beginning, sulking for a few weeks. Okay, God, I'm going to come and... Uh, no, no, no. It's not snakes and ladders. God says, he puts the, what the, the gospel is this. God, it's not a ladder to him. It's actually an escalator. When you get saved, because of Jesus, the escalator's name is Jesus. You get put on the escalator and your destination by default is the Father. It's the penthouse with him. So when you're going on this escalator and you're going up and you're going, this is amazing, this is incredible, God's so good, God's revealing himself, and then you mess up. You go, oh, I am so terrible. I can't believe I did that. And then you stand up and you realize the escalator's still going. I'm still getting closer and closer to the Father. That's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not, our repentance is not a work, it's a gift. Yeah. Repentance, again, is not a requirement from God. It is a gift from God to you and I to return to you and I, I pray that we'll use as an access that this morning and we'll understand it. So I want to ask you this question right now. A question that I'm allowing God to ask me again and again. Where are you, Gab? Where are you, Adam? Insert your name there. Are you drifting? Are you hiding? Are you blaming? I pray that this morning you would, you would call that. And you, you, only you will be able to know where you are with integrity. Where am I? And this call of God, this great call, that's what we need to answer. The second and final one as we land is found in the, the New Testament. Mark chapter 1, Jesus opens up the New Testament. With, he walks past disciples and he says to these guys, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
what Fast Track is based around. I want to break it down for us. This is what Jesus does to these disciples, to these rejects of society, the boys who did not make the cut. He comes and the first word to them is this, come. That's the invitation of our our faith. Jesus is a God, we serve a God who does not say, stay at a distance and work your way to us. He's a God that says, come to me. He's inviting and he's calling us towards himself. He says, come. But here's the incredible thing. Is it followed by this word, come, follow me. His invitation demands a response. He's not, it's, not, it's, an, it's an open invitation and it'll be there, but he's, he's saying, I'm calling you to respond to me. Are we responding to the call of God? I want to tell you, ultimately God's call is to come to him. You and I were designed to be with him. I believe God is calling us as militant congregation, as you and I, I believe it's to me, he's calling me to, once again, to become obsessed with this call. Obsessed. I think it's so simple and so profound. Come follow me and I will make you. I'm saying, God, would you obsess us with this call? Would this thing rattle inside of us? Would we not let go of this? I'm the one, Jesus is saying this, I'm the one who will satisfy. I'll bring you joy. I'll fill you with peace. He's calling us to follow hard after him. I feel God is putting that on me again. Follow hard after me. The Jewish culture had a, 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 of people who followed rabbis, they had this language. They said, the prayer, they said, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. And, and I really am praying for that to be our understanding, that what they were meaning by that is that the students followed their rabbi, their teacher. The dust, they followed so closely, the goal was to be so close to them that the dust of his feet would cover them. And that was a sign of, I'm doing well. At the end of the day, as much dust on you because the rabbis kicked up on you meant you had been following hard after him. And I pray that over you and I, that we would move from, when we answer the call, where are you, Adam? That we would understand that that call is calling us to follow him. Follow him hard after him. And I believe God is releasing us again, saying, would you do this? Life changes Milton. Finally, he says, I will make you. I love that. I love the phrase. God says this, invite, respond, follow me. And he says, watch what I'll do. I will make you. Jesus will make you into something. He'll take your ordinary, he'll take your insufficiency, he'll take your inadequacies, and he will make them into something glorious. I'll tell you, death to the self-made man. I made myself. I made my way in this world. Can I tell you, death to that. I want to be a, be a man who's helpless, but for the grace of God. Because I know the grace of God will take me much further than these legs could carry me that my attitude can get me, my go-getter attitude. The God is a God who opens up doors that are bigger than we could ever manufacture on our own. Trust Him in this. Give up your pursuits and dreams and follow Him and He will make you into something beautiful. He says, finally, I'll make you fishers of men. He'll take your ordinary. He took these guys ordinary. They were fishermen. That's what they did. They were a dime a dozen down the coast. Fishermen, 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 trying to sell their fish, do their thing. And Jesus came to these guys and said, listen, what you're going to do, I'm going to put the, the smell, the stench of eternity on it, the, the, the beauty of eternity on what you do. I'm going to take your ordinary and I'm going to cover it in eternity. And I believe that's what father, the Father is wanting to do here today. He's wanting to call you to himself. He's saying, where are you, Adam? Will you come follow me and I will make you and I'm going to take your ordinary and I'm going to transpose into something extraordinary. I'm going to take your, your, your car dealership. I'm going to take your teaching. I'm going to I'll take your real estate agency. I'm going to take your, your business. I'm going to take your, your travel agency. I'm going to take your, 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 your workspace. I'm going to take that, your school. I'm going to take your preschool teaching. I'm going to transform it into something that smells like eternity. I will make you fishers of men. Can I tell you this morning as I land, these two calls, where are you, Adam? And come follow me. 
and I will make you fishers of men. They call us, these, these two calls pull us back to our original design, and yet in the same breath it draws us forward into an eternal story. Bookmarked in this, in this gospel is a where are you Adam call, and a call that echoes from Jesus all the way till today saying come follow me. It's never got more complex, but it's so, so profound if we understand these calls and we own them and say, Jesus, that's what I'm giving my life for. Can I tell you, may these two calls be branded on our hearts because the call of God starts and finishes with these. If you don't know that God is calling, what am I going to do with my future? Where am I going to go? What, what is, is there a nation for me? Am I going to get married? What, what's the next step? What must I study? What must I, must I give up? Who must I pursue? The, the call of God in your life, I tell you, will be determined whether, how you answer these two questions. Where are you, Adam? Drifting, blaming, hiding. Settle it. Repent and return to your penthouse. Secondly, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If we own those two things, the call back to our original design and the pull into an eternal story, those questions will start to become easier and easier and easier because that's who he is. He's a God who calls us into a bigger thing than we could ever imagine. Let's pray. This morning, if you need to respond, I'm going to give us 30 seconds just to, just to, just to let that settle. These two calls. Where are you, Adam? Insert your name. Where are you? Do a self-audit of your heart. Am I drifting? Am I blaming my situation on other factors, other circumstances, or am I, am I just returning back to him? Am I hiding? Am I being vulnerable? Am I leaning into community and to him? Holy Spirit, would you reveal these things to us? In this place, if you're needing to respond to these two calls today to God, we don't need to be, you don't need to be specific with us, but be specific with him. I'm going to ask you to do something brave, and I'm the first one. Could you stand to your feet so I can know who to pray for? If you feel God is calling you to make a shift in one of these decisions, come follow me, and where are you? Can you stand to your feet so I want to pray? Thank you. Sometimes the the distance from our chair to our feet is the, the biggest distance. And I've sat in meetings so many times saying, God, I don't need to respond now because I'll, I'll just respond as, as we go through the week. I feel sometimes God says, hey, radical, radical decisions lead to radical futures. Radical obedience leads to radical futures. If you are a person here, I, I, I urge you, just in this moment, stand to your feet if you feel God is nudging and saying there's got to be a, a shift. I'm coming out of hiding. I'm coming out of blaming. I'm going to start following you hard again, God. Hard, pursuing you. Allowing you to cover me with your dust. If that's you, peace stand. Father, as we stand this morning, as a people, as we respond to your word, I thank you, God, for this beautiful community that is, that is simple in faith. We are Jesus people who say, what you say, we believe. And we want to live in that, God. What we believe, we want to become. Father God, I thank you for your word right now. Cut deep. Cut deep, right? And I pray, God, Holy Spirit, would you cut deep into our hearts, go beyond mere religion, mere call and response of church, but God, would you go into something original design and eternity would start to fester in our hearts, would start to grow, would start to grip us afresh, Father. I pray, would we be a community that is marked indefinitely by these two calls that we respond again and again, where are you, Adam? And come follow me, and I will make you. 
fishes of men. I pray right now, God, your hand is on every heart here. And Spirit of God, would you grip these hearts and not let go? Grip these hearts and not let go. I pray, God, would we have these words ringing in our ears as we walk out this room? Would you have these words ringing in our ears as we, as we walk out this week? Where are you, Adam? And we'll say, I'm responding, Jesus. I'm here. Here I am. And we'll hear, come follow me as, and, and I will make you. And I thank you, God, our hearts would leap with those words. So I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, you are a good God. As, as, as you call, we respond. We know you pour out your blessing. I thank you, Jesus, for an incredible community of faith that you're stirring up here. That because of this community, we get to be the best church for the city. Because today we get to commission and release multiple pastors, multiple prophets, multiple evangelists to this city to bring freedom, to bring wholeness, to bring life and joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.